and welcome to these audio didactic recordings from Project Echo, West Vic PHN Hub. All right, good morning. We'll get underway. Uh, welcome to Project Echo. This is the West Vic PHN Hub. COVID-19 Pandemic Response Echo Network. It's Series 9, Session 3, Thursday, the 2nd of June, 2022. Welcome back. Uh, in this session, we're going to be looking at long COVID management in primary care, Part 2. And I'd like to acknowledge that it's National Reconciliation Week this week with the theme, Be Brave, Make Change. And this is presented to us as, an, as a challenge to all individuals, families, communities, organisations and government to be brave and tackle the unfinished business of reconciliation so we can make a change for the benefit of all Australians. So what are some of the ways, like I said, invites us to reflect, what are some of the ways we can make change in our own lives? What brave actions might we take uh, where we live, work and play? So um, I guess I've been thinking about how to kind of make my, the acknowledgement to country more meaningful. I think we, 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 we acknowledge country um, and more recently I think it was put to me that it's really about when you do acknowledge country, drawing that connection that you do have with country. And so I feel very privileged to live on the beautiful lands of the Wadawurrung people um, and I pay my respects to their elders past and present and I'd like to invite you all to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands from which you're zooming in from today. Um, also, I went to, we went to the Safer Care, our team went to the Safer Care conference last week, and but it was the Banwarung and um, Wurundjeri country, and the land of the Banwarung, there was two rules, and the rules that they asked us to abide by were to not harm the land and to not harm the children of Bunjil. I thought these were pretty rules, pretty good rules to live by, um, and uh, I think that's what I really want to do this week. If anyone knows what the rules of the Wadawarung land is or the, the rules of their own land I think they're probably important to reflect upon particularly as we move forward um, and, uh, and and hopefully embrace the Uluru Statement from the heart and the business of um, supporting and protecting our environment um, yeah so I guess that's my my little thoughts for this morning I'm keen to hear yours too so um, so I think with that Gemma we might just get on um, we'll pick up our conversations now about long COVID uh, from where we went a few weeks ago our allied health colleagues will share some uh, information about screening and triage tools as well as pacing in primary care. We've got a patient case uh, that raises some key concerns that no doubt many of you will have about following up patients in primary care um, and and I guess the questions that uh, this case asks is will baseline tests or what baseline tests will help us assist and track and monitor progress? When will further investigations be required? Uh, what specialist allied health um, recommendations should we take on board? And where can patients access care in our region? I'm Bianca Forrester, GP. I'll be facilitating today's meeting along with uh, Katrina, uh, Gemma and um, Zach will be taking notes. Uh, we are... Grateful, thank you for coming in today. Introduce yourself in the chat. And there's a little poll um, about the main role of primary care in long COVID is likely to be keen to hear your thoughts. Interesting, last time we didn't share the results of the poll. I think they went off into the cyberspace, but I think most people said um, they were seeing about zero to five cases with I think there was one person who saw 20 to 50. I'm not quite sure who that is. Let us know if that's you because we're really keen to hear from you. Um, but most people hadn't seen a lot at this stage. Um, and I guess, though, when we think about that, is that because it's not presenting to primary care? Is it early days or are we not yet um, refining our identification and recognition skills? I guess they're the thoughts that I'm, I'm wondering about. So on the agenda today, um, 
we've got Kate's going to give us our usual update and there's a little bit in there about influenza with those recent announcements. Um, Corey Watts, physiotherapist that you will have met last week, um, is going to continue um, our conversations about rehab at Bowen Health, thinking about um, pacing, I think was the key, key piece that people wanted to hear about and um, some screening. Bernard Shube from Banksia Medical Centre is bringing us a case, which is brilliant because we love cases here at Echo, of a 56-year-old with shortness of breath, 46 actually, of shortness of breath, three months post-COVID infection, what can be done in primary care and where can they access treatment. Um, Arvind Yaramili, Infectious Disease Registrar, is with us. Thanks. Hi, Arvind. Welcome. And Naomi White will provide us with a PHN update at the end. So let's get underway. Over to you, Kate. Good morning, everyone. Um, so in terms of influenza, um, there is the big news that the Victorian state government is offering free vaccination from June 1st to June 30th to all Victorians, regardless of the National Immunisation Program eligibility. Um, so primary care is really being encouraged to participate. It's also occurring in pharmacies. There's a reimbursement per patient. Um, you can use the national immunisation stock for your national immunisation eligible patients. Um, you're able to charge as normal, uh, but it's really for the non-eligible um, people that you use your private stock, claim $25 per jab back and charge the MBS for that. And so pharmacies can support this, um, but they can support both types of eligibility as well. Um, there are $2,000 grants to increase that capacity to deliver. Um, those grant applications have a limited time in terms of application. Um, I think it might be June Oh, Naomi is probably going to get it right afterwards. I know I'm going to say the wrong date after just having it told to me. So I'll leave that to her section because um, it's just hiding behind my screen here. Um, I think it's the um, 6th of June and it says on here the 10th of June, but I think it is the 16th it's been extended to. So that's 13th, really important. Okay. 13th, sorry. <laughs> I knew I'd get it wrong. Okay. Um, this is why we have support here for me. Um, so the other thing that I really wanted to flag around influenza is that we are seeing a heap more cases. Um, and this is probably an under-recognition of the amount of cases out there because of the use of rats as the primary diagnosis for respiratory type illness in the community. Um, so what is really, really important is um, being able to sort of check in your most vulnerable patients, people at risk in aged care, disability care settings, um, that you are checking not only for COVID, but for influenza with the respiratory multiplex at the time of presentation, just so that you can then get the Tamiflu access. With that, I'll just go on to the next slide. <laughs> um, but there is, um, oops, Yep, Tammy. <laughs> uh, it was what just is going on, on with your computer uh, today, Gemma? This is someone like you. I'm blaming <laughs> the tech. Yeah. Yeah, so um, just uh, when we do get to the slide, it'll have a link to um, the aged care program, which is the uh, state government's putting Tamiflu into um, residential aged care settings. Um, Tamiflu's got a 48-hour window, which is why it's really key to get that um, respiratory multiplex 
um, in early. Uh, so there's all these sort of resources and things to go with it. Um, but I think the main thing is just being aware that it is out there. It's a significant and serious condition um, and there's large amounts of under vaccination. And with all this new eligibility, I really want to encourage practices to think of ways that you can make sure that the most at-risk groups still get um, vaccinated and still have access to vaccination in an equitable way. So I'll just quickly go on to the next couple of slides. So maybe. <laughs> um, so there's the West Vic um, web pages that are just important to flag again, the COVID medications webpage and the antiviral listings for pharmacies. And then I think I've got one more and then I will leave it to somebody else to fight with the tech. <laughs> so um, we've got the post-COVID, long COVID um, health pathway there, which goes through a lot of the assessment tools. It's got links to lots of things in there about assessment. We know it's becoming more of an issue. And I think as Bianca flagged at the start, like we may not be seeing a lot of it and that's potentially because we're not asking the questions. People may not recognise what is happening to them as um, part of a post-viral um, syndrome. So it's got quite a wide range of symptoms that are possible because of the inflammatory nature of the process. So that is all from me for this morning. Great. Thanks, Kate. Um, Gemma, I'll get you to enable my screen share because I've downloaded the slides now and... Um... I'll, if you like, I'll try and see if my computer will take over. All right, Corey, we're going to hand over to you. Thank you and welcome, Corey Watts. Ah, oh, now, are you able to unmute yourself? We did have that tech issue last week. Yeah, sorry, is that better? Yeah, beautiful, great. So. And if um, you don't mind, start by introducing yourself to everyone. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. So my name's uh, Corey. I'm one of the physiotherapists at Belmont Community Rehab Centre, which is uh, part of Barwon Health. Um, based in Geelong, um, yeah, and I've, I'm involved with uh, yeah, the post-COVID, long COVID clients that are, are coming through the, the Bowen Health sort of catchment area, um, and we've just been trying to put some programs and some um, monitoring and, and sort of tracking in place just to, um, yeah, uh, see how our programs are going as far as um, getting people better with long COVID and post-COVID. So, um, uh, following on from last time, yeah, we, we talked quite a bit about, <clears throat> pardon me, um, uh, anxiety and depression, fatigue and shortness of breath really being kind of the main um, long COVID symptoms, for want of a better term. There, there's a huge number of symptoms that there actually can be, but these ones seem to be the most prevalent and that's where we've sort of targeted our, um, uh, yeah, our assessment and our reassessment with with clients. So um, what I thought I'd, I'd go through today was just talk about those three main scales and then talk a little bit more about them uh, and, and what the scores mean and, and what uh, potentially that might mean from a GP point of view. So uh, the first one that's on the screen there at the moment is the fatigue severity scale. Um, so it's just a short nine question survey just to get an idea as to how people are going from a fatigue and an energy point of view. Um, it's obviously quick to administer, which is really good. And then you can see on the left there that if they score above 36, then 
um, that suggests the client's suffering from fatigue. So uh, nine questions, the lowest you can get is nine, the highest you can get is 63. Um, and so, yes, hopefully then if somebody's over that 36, you can then start asking the questions um, about what they're doing about it. You know, is the fatigue improving? Um, yeah, and you can go into all of their sort of, are they back at work? Are they back to normal kind of things? Yeah, you're doing well there, Gemma. Um, so if they do score highly, what, what you can then talk about and what we touched on a little bit last time was pacing. Um, so as opposed to physiotherapy, occupational therapy are um, well trained in pacing and probably where you would direct your inquiries if somebody did score highly or was complaining of fatigue. Um, and you can see that this is probably a key takeout, I thought, was just to try and remember the, the four P's of pacing. So get the person to prioritise their week, both work and leisure, um, and then prioritise. So that just stops them trying to cram too much in and taking on additional tasks and making sure that the, the things that are the highest priorities and most important are getting done. Um, so pace, yes, take regular breaks, which between standing, sitting, lying if they can, if they're, if they're back at work, uh, to plan. So we have quite a few come in that say, uh, you know, it, it takes me all day and I'm better in the afternoon or vice versa, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sleeping well because I'm so fatigued, so I'm better in the morning, but come early afternoon, I'm, I'm worn out. So just getting them to plan and say, right, well, get prioritise and get those important jobs done when you're at your best um, and then manage yourself and pace and do all of those things for uh, the remainder of the morning or the afternoon, whatever it might be. Um, try to avoid rushing things was quite a good one. A lot of people, similarly to your sort of pulmonary, might sort of think, right, well, I'm just going to get this done as quickly as I can to get it done. And it's probably a bit counterintuitive and, and wears them out more than if they did just say, right, this is going to take an hour, I'm going to do it in four 15 minute blocks and have a, a rest in between. Um, asking for help was a big one. You know, a lot of people are, yeah, I'm not hundred percent, but this is what I normally do. And I'm gonna uh, sort of push on and, and get it done. And it's often hard for people to ask for help. But I think if, if you went through these four Ps with people, which hopefully shouldn't take too long, you know, and it is a possibility in, a, in the sessions that you have, then hopefully that might help them sort of to get through their days and improve quicker. Uh, the other one is posture. So just considering, you know, all the techniques of breathing and, um, you know, be it standing and then sitting and watching their neck posture and just anything that, that might fatigue them or, or wear them out quicker than, you know, not being aware of how they're sitting, for example, for two or three hours at work. Um, so if we go to the next one, Gemma. Um, I can start talking about it. Uh, oh, oh, just up, up a cup. Yeah, that one, that one, yep. So uh, as opposed to graded exercise therapy, which we talked a little bit about last time and probably where physio comes into play. So as it says there, the aim is to help the patient gradually increase physical activity and become more independent in their everyday life. So it does really cross over with the pacing, you know, we need to consider somebody says I'm, I'm exhausted by the afternoon. Well, there's not much point booking a physio or an exercise session with them in the afternoon if they're going to be extremely limited. Um, I've put their yeah, your exercise generally physio-led, whereas the pacing um, and fatigue management and energy conservation is more occupational therapy-led. Um, and 
what we're aiming to do, and, and this is with long COVID and post COVID clients, is to establish a baseline for the person and then try and gradually increase that amount of physical exercise or activity that they can do. And the important bit down the bottom there is by encouraging the participant to expend, extend their physical functioning beyond their current ability. There's been lots talked about and uh, lots of information as far as you know, how far can we push um, post-COVID, long-COVID clients, and I'll, I'll talk about that a bit later on. I'm sorry, um, so Corey, I didn't mean to push you there. It's, it, we are having glitches, so the, the slides did just jump ahead, so oh, I didn't fine. mean to pay. No, that's fine. No worries. Um, so that, that first bit there hopefully sort of addresses that fatigue, uh, excessive tiredness that a lot of people are reporting uh, as, as post-COVID sort of symptom. Uh, the other one is the shortness of breath. As far as a quick snapshot, we're using this as a, an outcome measure. The person can do it very quickly, um, just to give you an idea of, of where they're at as far as their shortness of breath goes. Um, you probably will have chatted to them about you know, where they might have been previously and where they're at now, which is obviously good. Um, so if they if they score, you know, virtually a one onwards, you can delve a little bit deeper and, and inquire about um, a, a referral to physio or exercise physiology or um, a personal trainer at the gym if they're suitable to kind of manage their, their return to a full exercise workload. Yep. Um, so if you just go down one, and this is the third one. So we've addressed fatigue, shortness of breath, and then depression and anxiety was the other one that uh, has been reported to, to be really prevalent in uh, long COVID, post COVID. Uh, I spoke to quite a few sort of psychology, neuro and clinical psychology. Um, there is a, a DAS 42. So this one is actually shorter than, than that by half, obviously, but um, they didn't sort of have a, a screening tool um, that, yeah, that they would recommend. So unfortunately with this one, it is it does take a bit longer. It might take you five, five minutes but it does give scores for a depression score, an anxiety score and a stress score, um, which I haven't included there, which isn't the best, but um, there are normal values. So if they score anywhere sort of five, around the five markets, it's mild symptoms. Um, around that seven to 10 is moderate symptoms for depression, anxiety or stress. Anything above 10, we get into sort of severe and extremely severe depression anxiety which uh, from all reports is, is quite common in the uh, the post-COVID clients just because of such a change in their their function um, as far as yeah obviously I don't know I'm on the physio side of things what you do at present from a depression anxiety and, and stress sort of questioning to determine whether it's a concern would probably be uh, yeah, a, a point for discussion and, and um, something that we, we really need to make sure we're doing with these post-COVID clients. Uh, so if you just go down one. Yeah, so there, it got brought up last time, uh, someone was saying, you know, for some of your younger ones that want to get back to exercise, I shouldn't say younger ones, we see plenty of uh, old clients as well that do want to get back to exercise. So there was a presentation from um, what's it called a good fellow unit over in New Zealand on long COVID that I watched and um, so obviously this isn't, it's just from one source, but uh, Dr. Bruce Hamilton, who was involved with the New Zealand Olympic Committee presented, and I thought his sort of takeouts 
sort of translatable principles of rehab across sort of everybody were, were very good. So he talked about an individualized approach. So talking to everybody that comes in, you know, right, uh, what are their symptoms of long COVID because it can be so varied and considering individualizing that component of it, look at their medical history, um, their training, their work, their activity history, and obviously how they went with COVID, you know, were they in ICU or has it just been they're isolated for seven days at home, but they've just got these lingering symptoms. Um, he talked about taking a cautious approach. They're still developing evidence, but as far as, um, you know, overdoing it or over-exercising, it's still sort of unknown, um, you know, um, from a long COVID point of view, how much is too much. So take a cautious approach. If you thought, give somebody, do it 10 times, maybe start with six or seven. And that probably flows into that third point there that it needs to be monitored. Um, so really from our point of view, you know, somebody might come in for their first session and they've had a post-COVID referral, they'll do a session with us and we'll probably ring them the next day and just say, you know, how are you feeling? Um, have you had any sort of adverse pains or, or muscle soreness or that sort of thing? Um, and then look from there to progress it as applicable or regress it as well, just depending on how they've gone. Um, and so then if you go to that last one, this was taken straight from it, but it's probably not a bad one, just sort of an overview to consider relating back to that sort of um, not overdoing it. And he talked more about going off symptoms and response to exercise or return to activity as opposed to day time frame. So rather than say to somebody, yeah, you'll be back at the gym in three or four weeks, sort of going through these, uh, what you can see on the, the screen there. So really the recovery for the first week or so, if they're really keen to get back into exercise, you can see there, and this is targeted more to athletes, <clears throat> pardon me, based on the timeframes that they've got there, but you can see working at a less than 70% heart rate maximum, it says they're less than 30 minutes. So with a lot of the elderly clients, where you see it might be for, might be on their side bike for five minutes, you know. And, and see how they are the next day. Uh, that might be for a week, and then you can see that it's quite graduated there, um, less than 80% of your heart rate building up the time that you do it for, introducing some strengthening. That might be for a week or two, as I say, it, it varies, it could be for longer, it could be for shorter, but they're on the side of caution. Um, then slowly getting back to normal training activities, increasing the strengthening, and then anywhere you know the time frame is really open for a return to normal activity um so that's sort of the end of my presentation the only additional thing that i was going to say was um we've also seen you know people with a number of comorbidities that are deconditioned because they previously bowled or walked weekly with a couple of friends and they haven't been doing that because of covid so they're they're, they're deconditioned and then whether they have or haven't had COVID. Um, yeah, I guess that was my last point. It's something to consider if they're, they're really deconditioned just because of the last two years that we've had. So, um, yeah. Thanks, Corey. That's an interesting point. And I know that's something that you were quite keen to frame up, that you were seeing patients that were coming in to you guys. What, what was the story? You had, a, I think you had a little um, crew, a cluster of patients that you felt were more on that side of deconditioned or their chronic diseases had gone out of, gotten a bit out of. Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, 
a, a huge range of, of comorbidities, but yeah, and a lot haven't had um, COVID, but been referred by their doctor just because of uh, that, that deconditioning from two years of, of largely decreased activity. Yeah, right. Okay, so it's time for everyone to get back to it. You know, we've not got a, not not many windows now. I mean, the weather was terrible, so I don't know. I, I know I didn't get out yesterday, but yeah, we're heading into winter. People are deconditioned. Must also remember that's that long COVID long haul, yeah, isn't it? Really, correct. of what we've all just been through. Yeah, yeah time to um, get patients back in, making sure we're getting all those UECs and LFTs, checking their comorbidities, getting them kind of back into um, optimum peak performance before yeah. winter. Or we're right. In in the middle of winter but um and also i'm um, thinking about antivirals okay well thanks so much Corey. that's a wonderful slide deck so we'll send that out to everyone it's a great resource um so there's some nice tools for you to put in your toolkit and start using today um now put some questions for Corey in the chat we do have a few minutes for questions and yeah. thanks lee meekin um Corey, this is probably not one that you might want to take but i know arvind or kate either of you might be interested in this one lee asks uh if a rack patient is symptomatic but rat negative do they need a respiratory multiplex before giving them flu. Uh, yeah, I can. Thanks, Arvind. Um, so introduce yourself. Many of us will know you, Arvind, but if you don't mind, there'll be a few that yeah. might not have met you before. Thanks. Yeah, no worries. So I'm Arvind. I'm one of the um, infectious diseases of registrars um, at, uh, well, currently working at the Barwon Southwest Public Health Unit. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's, a, it's a really good question, um, Lee. I think, um, uh, you know, in, in an aged care uh, uh, facility setting, um, we would certainly consider prophylactic Tamiflu. Um, it does depend a little bit on, you know, the number of cases and, um, uh, you know, the in infection prevention side of things. Um, I, I think, you know, in that situation, you can always uh, call call the public health unit, for example, um, speak to one of us. Um, we'd obviously be involved in, in some of these, um, uh, you know, outbreak situations as well. Um, I guess, you know, we are uh, uh, requesting multiplex PCRs to be done, um, you know, if, if um, residents are um, rat negative, but still symptomatic. Um, but in terms of giving Tamiflu, um, yeah, you wouldn't necessarily need to wait. There is the option of prophylactic Tamiflu, but I think probably best to get some more advice um, from either ID or, or the public health unit. Thanks, Arvind. All right, so um, I'm not seeing other questions come through the chat. So I might just kick off um, Corey as well. Um, if you've got other questions for Corey and it is really useful. So everyone's saying it's been a great presentation, really useful and, and useful for other presentations too. Uh, interesting in our poll, I think what GPs, well, what this crew have said is that probably our main role is going to be around management and coordination of multidisciplinary teams. So yeah, there we go, thank you. So it's interesting that we very much see our role in primary care as managing long COVID and coordinating multidisciplinary team. I think some of the reflections I have is, you know, guys, are we going to be using our chronic disease management plans for this? And Corey, I guess that gives us five sessions. We'll be thinking, okay, well, where do we put these sessions? I, I want to go back to clarify what you said before. You know, when we're thinking about pacing, in your mind, you're thinking this is really occupational therapy. This is about the, the business of how people live, work and play. And, and when it comes to fatigue, you're thinking OT, when it comes to shortness of breath, physio, is it as simple as that? Uh, yeah, probably is. Probably okay. best just to keep it simple. Um, yeah, the occupational therapists are, are uh, yeah, well trained in that. The, uh, the physios, I guess, more the physical side of things. If it is, as you say, you've only got the five sessions, then, um, uh, you know, the physios could, could talk to it enough. 
um, to, to get them pacing and prioritising, going through those four P's. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah. Well, that almost concludes our didactic content for this morning. We won't bring you the recording of the case discussion, but come along and join the discussion next week. We'll leave it this morning with the PHN update. Thank you, Bianca. It's a quick one again for us, but I see you've given me lots of time. Uh, Prescriber hotline for the Alfred. Um, varying responses uh, in this space at the moment from, yep, got through straight away to having to wait for half an hour. So I, I can't give you a confidence on what's going to happen, but I can encourage you to try your luck. Uh, and that's for antivirals. Yep. Antiviral so this prescriber hotline. Yep. Yep, for that one, yes. Um, well, they answer I, questions about Tamiflu, thinking about Lee Meekin's question. That's a very good question. I haven't called them to ask. Um, <laughs> but if you've got a person that you're deciding on, maybe that's a good phone call to make. Um, but our biggest encouragement is to get a hold of your um, local pharmacy and have a discussion with them um, and a relationship. And that will help get them to have stock on the shelves for you when you need it as well. So links there to the pharmacies that are dispensing um, in our region and, and noting that it is dispensing and not stock holding. Uh, but there are a number of places holding stock in the major centres, less so in the in the smallest centres around the, the district. Um, a, the Victorian Department of Health funded influenza program that uh, Kate mentioned earlier, they have indeed extended the registration time from the, from the 6th to the 10th. So it's now the 6th to the 13th. Um, very nice of them to change their mind after we asked kindly. Um, two links for the RACG webinar that we'll have available for you and the Pharmacy Guild presentation for those that are interested as well that came out earlier this week. Uh, we are hoping to also see a FAQ in that space. Um, and I do encourage all practices that are getting involved to apply for that uh, $2,000 grant. It is, uh, despite a lot of questions at the RACGP, it is however you are providing more, eight hours more, of um, vaccination time. So that might mean that instead of your nurse working four hours, they work five hours uh, in conjunction with you. That's fine, that, that will meet that eight hour um, requirement. Uh, for that uh, and the update for Tamiflu placed in aged care facilities. Uh, so there's some links there that have come through that will be available to you as well. Uh, much like the Legevrio, um, they're placing a number there uh, and it will not be restocked. So please, it doesn't replace your usual methods. Um, and I think like Legevrio, it is a good thing to have it available given that 48 hour time frame. Thank you, Bianca. Oh, Naomi, thank you so much for you being skates on. I'm going to put you up front next time so you don't have to rush. Um, new web pages will scoot through. Guys, do register for the refresher. Um, uh, we want to see you in Geelong on Sunday, on Saturday, face-to-face, -face, and Ballarat and Warrnambool, or, yeah, Warrnambool are all running live. So come and connect. You know, Michael, Bernard, you might be able to catch up at the refresher again. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be there. Um, and Sunday's online. Uh, on Sunday, there is a long corporate presentation by um, Emerge. So they are the National Chronic Fatigue um, Society. So they're the, the leaders in this space so I think that's going to be really interesting and that's a full hour on this so I think you'll probably really enjoy that if you enjoy this conversation today 
of course, we've got our VIPs, Michael Kidd is coming and he, I believe he's live. We're actually going to see him in, in real in Geelong. So come and um, meet Michael and then Prof. Ruth Stewart will be um, opening the second day. Um, click on the presentation. Now, I just also just want to say, Katrina mentioned, if you even just register, because it's free, you can watch things live back later. But of course, we'd love to see you live. Anyway, thanks everyone. Um, thank you again so much, Corey. I, you know, if we get cases, I'll be calling you again and seeing if you come and help solve some of the cases. Thanks so much, Bernard, our um, GP expert in long COVID, it's sounding like. It's good to know that you're in, in our in our region. So um, we'll do that too. And thanks so much, Arvind. As always, it's always a pleasure to have you and we look forward to catching up with you in a future session. Um, so yeah, please evaluate it. Let us know how you liked this. And if you want more of these sessions, um, we'll be back in um, two weeks time. I think Rachel Cowan's going to be with us in a couple of weeks time. Not quite sure yet what we'll do. Probably something about winter and viruses. <laughs> All right, we'll see you then. All right, bye everyone. Thanks for listening and come along and join the discussion next week. Google Westfic PHN Project Echo COVID-19 Pandemic Response Network and you'll find a way to register. By registering, we'll send you reminders each week and we'll let you know what's coming up in the sessions and you'll also receive our resource pack. That includes notes, podcasts, webinars, slide decks and any resources mentioned in the discussion. Thanks for listening.